Rock, I'm from the candy antler show. Let's go. It's Moto. The perfect knife for cutting your underwear. Oh, you might have to take a beer run while we're out, huh? Did y'all see that? I hope y'all saw that, because that's what they look like. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Outside Stuff presented by Blue Court Outdoors. As always, I'm your host, Stephen Marshall. I want to say thanks real quick to Nate and Cody who were on last week talking about that opening weekend in Kentucky. I hope everyone enjoyed those stories. Like I said, I had heard those stories before, but it's always good to relive them once again by by those two. Uh, they're, They're good people to uh, sit there and talk about killing deer so and as anyone's ever talked to someone that's killed a deer every story is probably 45 minutes long and damn near sounds like a battle and that's what theirs was so appreciate everyone that tuned in on that one uh today we're gonna talk about the carbon awards we got about seven days left of the 14 day voting phase for the carbon awards and yours truly has been nominated for best fishing show so want to make sure everyone gets in there you can vote every day once a day if you got a couple email addresses and you sneak those in there too but voting closes on august 29th so in seven days and i'd like if possible everyone just at least try and vote once you know uh, one vote's better than no votes so if we can get Obviously, the top votes, I want to say there's four, no, I'm sorry, there's three other shows nominated, and if we can get ahead of them, that gives us a back-to-back award there for Best Fishing Show, so it's a pretty, uh, pretty cool little ditty. Uh, today, I will be joined by Johnny Allen again, and we're going to talk Carbon Awards last year and uh, the nomination for this year. And Nate was actually going to be on this one too, but due to where he's located in Old Town, Florida and Verizon Wireless, uh, he has like absolutely no cell service or internet. So big shout outs to Verizon and their coverage nationwide. We do know the one place that they don't cover. Uh, It's Old Town, Florida. So without further ado, let's get started. Johnny Allen, how are you, buddy? Oh, you know. Doing good, considering uh, the circumstances where we're at. But hey, congrats to you and Nate and Cody on uh, the nomination oh, yeah. for best fishing. I'm pumped about it. Yeah, it was uh, super nerve-wracking because how they've done it in previous years is if you wanted to be part of that um, nomination, you would just send in the video based on the parameters that Carbon provided, and then they just put you in. So you would be nominated with like ten, eight to ten different shows whereas this year when they when it came out they were like they're going to announce the their nominations instead which i guess makes it a little bit more legit and uh i guess cooler you could say i like it it's like the academy awards yes yeah get nominated absolutely it's nothing's like being nominated for an oscar you know exactly but uh so yeah, so I, I waited for, I don't know, a week, and then I got the email finally saying that we were nominated for Best Fishing Show, which was nice, because we do a gooder job fishing. I'd say so. But I wanted to uh, dive in to the Carbon Awards specifically. Uh, this is the third annual Carbon Awards, so they're the only streaming service that does an awards for their producers and their shows. 
And that was actually one of the things that intrigued me about trying to join them was uh, I joined on October 14th of 2020. Their Carbon Awards was same time, August, into August of that same year I'd seen it. I thought that would be neat to be a part of something like that. And, you know, the story of joining Carbon is what it is. And then the following Carbon Awards, I was amped up like the entire year trying to get to it. And we were a new show, so I knew I could try and get in on Best New Show. Uh, so I did Best New Show, Best in Hunting, and Best in Fishing. And uh, we came in second on Best New Show. I cannot tell you who won Best New Show that year. Like Whitetail Frenzy or something like that won it. Uh, and I don't think they were supposed to tell us what place we came in on this category, but I sweet-talked them, and they told me second. Mm-hmm. So I'll take, I'll take silver. Yeah, you know. you'll take it. Yeah. Still made the podium. How about it? Yeah. Still made the podium. Not the highest one, but I made the podium. I meddled. <laughs> and, uh, but in fishing, we took best in fishing. And I remember when it came to what video we were going to use for best in fishing, it was going to be King of the Beach uh, 2021. And it was, we, we ran two boats that year. We ran Blue Cord Alpha and Blue Cord Bravo. Blue Cord Alpha was... Nate, Quincy, and yourself for the actual tournament day. Mm-hmm. And then Blue Corps Bravo was me, my father-in-law Wade, my sister-in-law Jen, and Tyler Brewer. And we, we were all going to the same hole, but the weather was so disgustingly awful that morning. Oh, terrible. I, that we were freezing cold. The wind was blowing crazy. The swells were coming in. I don't know. How tall do you think those waves were? They were at least, I mean, we were running, we were in the single engine division. So the biggest boat we had was what, 23, 24 foot? Was, uh, Wade, was, Wade, we, uh, actually, we didn't fish in Wade's boat. No, Wade's boat is at 23s. We fished in, he had a, uh, a Wellcraft. Yeah, he had the Scarab. Yep. I think it was a 23. Yeah, might foot. have been something around there. So, yeah, Pretty I mean, nice boat. it was that. And I think heading out, we were getting five to seven. Had yeah. to have been close to it. I can see that. So yeah. it was pretty nerve-wracking going out there. And I remember at one point, the spot we were going out to was roughly 17 miles offshore. Yeah, it's not far. It wasn't that far, which on a nice day, you can run no problem. Yeah, 30 minutes. Right. Tops. On this day, on tournament day, mm-hmm. when it's for all the marbles, whoa, did it get sketchy. Well, yeah, you also have the three days of pre-fishing prior to the tournament right. where you're running to the same spot mm-hmm. easy peasy and then tournament well, morning the days leading up to it is beautiful yeah and then tournament morning we had those high winds coming in from the west so it was all just you were getting battered by these waves left and right and i remember we were probably halfway there and we're all soaking wet and nate looks over to me and he goes i don't know about this man i don't know if we should keep going maybe we should just keep it you know stop where we're at or turn around and troll the beach or something and i looked at him and i said i've been in worse yeah and he goes all right then and we just kept going (laughs) yep and then i know on our end we lost sight of you uh we were we were trying to take the the waves instead of the head-on approach we were kind of going at an angle a little bit so we were getting there slower and uh and of course i mean lines in the water is 6 a.m so you're talking when we're initially going out it's pitch black anyway Mm -hmm. so i can't see you guys anywhere yeah, and shout out to Nate there for captain in the boat because I've been in some pretty hairy weather, and I've been in some pretty hairy weather at night, but I've never been in five to sevens at night, <laughs> and whoa, that that gets sketchy. You need to really know what you're doing 
uh, behind the wheel. And you're completely soaked. I think completely that's uh, soaked. that's not thought about of being wet while fishing no. when you're going out like that. Because, I mean, the waves are coming over the boat. and uh, The spray alone with the wind and early morning temperatures, and you're just freezing your butt off. Yeah. So, yeah, shout out to Nate for captaining that boat and being able to get us out there. And Nate just texted me he's going to try and drive up the road and, and jump on. So we'll continue to go on, and if he's able to get on here... It's it's crazy to think that we're in the Middle East right now, and I can, he can get a hold of me, I can't get a hold of him. No. <laughs> so it's. I didn't think that in a third world country we'd have better internet access than he did. Oh yeah, it blew your mind when I told you he doesn't have Wi-Fi. Yeah, that blew my mind. <laughs> I thought every household in America had Wi-Fi. No. But n- Nate no. Zeller, no Wi-Fi. No, not out on them limestone roads. No, he does not. Not in the McCrab. But uh, yeah, that morning I think we. Uh, we realized as the sun was just coming up that we were at a perfect speed of still trying to get to that 17 mile point we were getting to that we just started trolling mm-hmm. and uh we caught a couple kings right off the rip i think in all we ended up catching three kings and a uh in a bonita but i had the mm-hmm. one jen caught one which was nice because we entered her into the women's division and I want to say hers was, uh, it has to be over 30 inches in order to measure. I just can't remember how long hers was. It might have been 32 or something. But enough to where we could try and get up on the, get up on the stage. But the, the, my funnest point of our side on our trip on the boat was I'm reeling in. Uh, we're in part of the Spanish mackerel tournament, too, for an extra 50 bucks. And that thing pays out like 10 grand. So I can catch them Spanish max now. It's, it's the same concept of catching kings. Same just thing. troll, yep. you know, and they'll hit it. They, they ain't scared. They're just going to swipe at it anyway. So I had one hit, and you couldn't tell if it was a king or a Spanish Mac because it's still in the water. And I had the GoPro r- rolling above me on the T-top, and uh, the line's out, you know, 25 yards maybe. And I could feel it come to the top, and as it comes to the top, a king comes from under it, hits it, splits it in half, and sends itself seven foot in the air eight foot in the air. that was a great shot yeah and it was uh it's probably the greatest fishing shot i've ever gotten because it's it, it's one of those things like usually if um it's like a car accident like usually you hear a car accident you don't see a car accident right you're able to see this fish come skyrocketing there split mine in half and disappear and i reel up my spanish mac and as i bring it in the boat it's completely severed in half but i noticed that it was so girthy and so fat that even split in half, it probably weighed more than any Spanish Mac had ever yeah. caught. And I'm it looking. It was funny at, because split in half, you probably could have still entered it into the tournament. <laughs> if, if they didn't have the rule about it being deformed, right. I would have. Yeah. But uh, it was the biggest Spanish Mac I had ever caught. It probably could have won me first place, even split in half. Like 100%. that's how fat this thing is. And uh, we actually, when we put these videos on, I split them. So Blue Court Bravo was like season three, episode thirteen. And then Blue Core Alpha was the episode 15 of season three. And it was y'all's vantage point of the trip, yeah, whereas Bravo was, was our vantage point of the trip. That was one of the – a great, great fishing moment for me, something I'll never forget in all my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping – I'm dying to get back out there and do another tournament like that again. But for me, it was my first tournament um, fishing against some really, really good anglers. Like, yeah, I everywhere. didn't realize how good these guys were until we got back to weigh-ins and you see these massive boats pulling up and I go, oh, these dudes got money. They well, got money the, and they got time. You see their boats and you see their kill bags. Yeah. And their bags are, you know, five foot long and they're packed with a fish. 
And, or multiple fish. Yeah. And you can only weigh in one, but my first year doing, I, I caught just Spanish mac, and I probably put my Spanish mackerel in a bucket, like a five-gallon <laughs> bucket with ice, and I had beer in the in the bucket itself, so we're using it as a cooler and for the fish. And I said, this is the intimidation factor of weighing in a Spanish mackerel at a kingfishing tournament. Well, we, it was the same thing even when we went for this tournament, because mm-hmm. I remember we had to stop at the grocery store and get banana boxes Yeah. to put the rest of the yeah, kingfish in. Yeah, because of all the things, we forget a cooler, and uh, this fish is just cooking <laughs> in just lukewarm <laughs> water. And uh, we had to, yeah, we had to get a banana box with a garbage bag, put ice in that, and then walk around with this button. That's just ridiculous. It was so funny, though. Yeah. It, was, it was a great time. Anyone that has a, ever has a chance to, if you're not fishing it, to even go to the King of the Beach tournament in Madeira mm-hmm. Beach, it's just a great event. Yeah. Even uh, after the weigh-ins. It's a big party. It's a huge party. Like, you're pre-fishing it, but, like, each night, like, the first night is, like, the captain's meeting, the second night is the festival, and then the third night is the weigh-in party, and they've got all these vendors there and beer and bands going, and there's uh, people are selling stuff. They've got, I remember they had that massive yellowfin. Uh, or was it a yellowfin or a They were doing... What was that big boat that was out there? Oh, no, it was a Freeman. It was a Freeman. Yeah, the 42 LR. Yeah, and oh, it was huge. Wow. And uh, I remember my kids wanted to go on it, so we get on it, and I asked the guys, how much is this boat? And I think he said something about like $250,000. No, it was more than that. It, was, it had to be more, but... It was, it was an insane amount of money. The boat I said, that we were looking at was uh, close to a million. Oh, it might have been it, yeah. yeah. And I remember once he did tell me the price, I said, kids, get off the boat uh, now. Get off the boat now. Yeah. So I was like, y'all, y'all sticky little children fingers, get off this <laughs> yeah. boat. And I think we snagged one picture of Peyton sitting on one of the chairs, and I was like, get off. Uh, we're done here. Let's go check out uh, awesome. necklaces or something. Oh, they had. do you remember they had those really cool vendors out there too with the custom cornhole boards? Yeah, not, those were awesome. Oh yeah, those were really cool. But yeah, that was a that was an awesome day. It was an awesome experience for me getting to go out there with those guys and fishing that tournament. And it started off pretty hectic with the weather, just getting out to that spot. But when we did, boy, did it pay off because we weren't even a mile away from the spot we were going to. And Nate said, "Hey, let's stop here and start trolling in. Mm-hmm. That way, when we get to the spot, we're already trolling over it." I said, "All right, sounds good." So we start throwing out lines, put the outriggers out. And I think it was like the second or third bait that touched the water got hammered. It was immediate. Hammered. Yeah. And this was just as the sun was coming up, too. So, oh, man. It was and perfect. you've never targeted kingfish before? Never. Before no. that? No, I haven't. And I learned a lot for targeting kingfish to the point where I went back out again with some other friends and went to that spot and did exactly what we did. And sure as shit, as soon as I got out there, I got hammered, too. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you went back out there, were you was it a morning bite or like... This was a morning bite. Yeah, we started, uh, we got out there right around, I want to say 7, 30, 8 o'clock in the morning. So the sun had already been up for a little bit, but the weather was good. There's actually, there was a, uh, like a party fishing boat about two miles away from us, mm-hmm. from that spot that yeah. I saw. And I was looking on my, uh, I think it was on Navionics. Okay. And I was looking and there's actually a reef out there, but it's like a really popular, well-known reef. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> These guys don't know about the kingfishing grounds that are so close to them. I'm like, I hope they don't see well, us. <laughs> they make their money on bringing these people that spend 400 bucks to go out there and just catch Key West grunts. Right. Yeah. And anytime I catch a grunt, we, we call them shit eaters. Mm-hmm. I, I don't ever, we don't ever bring those back to clean because you can clean those for days, those and sea bass and stuff. And I, Nate loves catching them. 
but uh, it's just too much. You know, I'm it's going out there for grouper or snapper. That's yeah. it. Uh, anything else other than that is getting thrown back in the water. Right. So you see these people go on the like boats and they just hammer grunts mm-hmm. all day, every day. I get, I always get hopeful when I start catching grunts out, especially if I'm going out for a grouper, because I know that once you get those grunts riled up. There's bound to be a grouper or two. Once you get anything riled up in the bottom, I mean, yeah. it, it, then if you like catch like, say like a little five six inch grunts, like on a sabiki or something when you're trying to catch bait, <laughs> throw them in the live well. Yeah, they're going right oh, back they're down. They're going right back down because it, one of your gags or your red grouper see them bad boys. Mm-hmm. It's on or shit a snapper of any kind sees that. <laughs> Done oh, deal. even even doing what we did uh, during the Jurassic Park video when mm-hmm. we were going after those red grouper. Just uh, if you do catch one and they're spitting up whatever they had eaten, man, throw that, like Wade said in the video, throw that thing on a hook. You're going to want to send it back down. <laughs> yeah, throw it back down. Yeah, the, yeah. the crap. You know what? I did that, and every time he tells me to do that, I do it. Nothing ever has ever hit it. <laughs> and then, yeah, we with with this Carbon Awards, like I said, they nominated us, right? So we didn't get to pick a video that we thought would do it, but we had talked – earlier and i said if there was a video that i would put on there um i would do jurassic park grouper which mm-hmm. is again very end of season three like episode 14 and um because we it was like the best offshore fishing day i'd had filming wise mm-hmm. and i mean just quality of fish alone well you remember you'd never even intended to film I don't think I did. I remember you brought out the GoPro and your cell phone and nothing else, and you were just like, oh, I'm just going to bring it in case something happens. Yeah. We, yeah. We, were ju- we were just planning on going out for the day and having a good time. Yeah. That was it. Well, because you, you, you have these, like, little inner battles where, like, it's and it happens with hunting, too. You you do, like, a whole season of hunting and all the taking of the equipment, the 30 minutes prior than you'd usually get out there. You're having to get out there to set up uh, your camera arms and stuff. But same thing with fishing. Like, if I'm recording with a camera, I am taking myself out of the equation mm-hmm. of lines in the water. And just like you say, when one starts hitting, it might frenzy them up enough where more start coming out, things like that. So now you just got one line less in the water. So what I've done now is I only bring just my phone and a GoPro mm-hmm. fishing offshore because I can mount my GoPro on the T-top, uh, on a railing, anything that's right next to me. And... I just have it I don't have it run constantly if I feel like we're starting to get hit I'll have it run for five eight minutes at a time but usually I I just do that because it, it allows me to it allows for the camera to keep rolling film everybody else if I'm having to help someone get a line untangled or a fish off the whatever off the hook and it still records and I can still get good footage what I uh, if you watch that video though I was putting the GoPro underwater mm-hmm and I used to do it with my older GoPro, um, which this one's waterproof. But the problem is it needs like 60 seconds to dry the mic. Right. So when you're pulling it back up and you're still everyone's using that. Muffled. Everyone's muffled. Yeah, it just sounds like you're underwater. Yeah. So you got to like blow on it to get it to go. But uh, I want to say we we went out there to a couple holes out of, uh, what did we, we go out of Fort DeSoto, I think. We went out of Fort DeSoto and we had stopped at a few spots uh working our way out to 60 miles to the mexican pride Mm -hmm. and we stopped at a few spots that we that we found uh because we were going after red snapper Mm -hmm. um yeah it was still snapper season yeah a few spots where they're christmas treat up 
had a little bit of luck, nothing really that big because we weren't able to punch through them all the way down to the big ones, so the shit eaters on top were still getting us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kept working our way out, and I remember we said, all right, well, we're really going to go out there. We're going to go way out. Yeah. And on our way out there, we'd stopped again. Wade had that through-hole transducer on his boat, so while we were running at speed, he was able to pick up another Christmas tree. We stopped, and as we drifted beyond it, we realized, holy crap, there's a lot of grouper around here. No, yeah, they were, uh, we never anchored up. No, never. We never anchored up. We just drifted for hours, and it was nonstop action. It was about a, a square mile worth of limestone bottom mm-hmm. out there that was just nothing but fish. Yeah. Nothing but fish. Yep. And the craziest thing, too, was you could hardly tell just by looking at the sonar. Yeah. You can hardly tell anything was down there. It was just flat bottom. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that it was probably what uh, I know Wade was talking about, it, that Swiss cheese bottom. Yeah. I guess you get those those holes in the limestone mm-hmm. down on the bottom, and, uh, and they just go they in. They were them. just hiding in there. Yeah. And we got them. We got them up real good. Yeah, and the water was, I mean, 100, 115 foot maybe at that at that depth and uh, right at that that far out. Mm-hmm. And I remember Tyler Brewer brought out a, a spinning rod with a a Daiwa BG, and he said he had just bought this reel and wanted to see if he can catch a grouper with it, and he threw it down and he was getting worked. But so was the fish. Oh, and you could—he's just nonstop reeling it, and he's a hell of a fisherman too. Yeah. Uh, so it was—I thought it was funny that he brought that out there because he would more or less he would bring out his conventional setups. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to fish that one. I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And he drops it in there, and he was hammering the hell. That first one he brought up, I want to say, was uh, just over 27 inches. And, uh, I mean, he was just bringing slob after slob after slob, fire truck coming up on the boat. It was unbelievable. Crazy. And it, it and there was a point where then he was, and again, that's what the, the aspect of, like, filming with the GoPro, we're, we're watching Tyler's rod as he's, he's, like, caught in a hole, right? He's got one of these group on, and it's got him in a hole. And you just got to be patient with it. And you just hold the fish, keep the line tight, and eventually the fish will he'll either never come out or he's like more or less he is going to come out Mm -hmm. he just doesn't know but in the background as wade's dealing with it too wade's rod is on the other boat and it's just getting slammed (laughs) yeah and i'm like oh shit and uh, wade gets on it and he gets in a hole so now they're both on a hole you then get hit yeah and uh and you're bringing up one that was a little short but all three of you are on at the same time so again the benefit of having the gopro going i'm not holding a camera nothing i'm able to assist everybody but the gopro is picking up everything yeah and uh, eventually you can – Tyler's comes out of the hole at the same time Wade's does, which makes me always think that everyone's just tied up on each right. other under yeah. the boat. And all three of you bring up fish at the same time. That's awesome. And Tyler and Wade's was – they were able to keep theirs. I think you're Mine was short. just shy, yeah. And uh, they were able to keep theirs and just add more. And there was a, uh, a point in time where Tyler was sitting there. He's just throwing a line back in and – he had called it he's like i'm bringing up dinosaurs in this place this <laughs> jurassic park out here and that's why we called it jurassic yeah. park grouper because we caught so many good fish i want to say we we caught six six keeper red grouper and then i caught a uh, an ar yep. right off rip that was probably about 21 not big but legal. i think we had a lane snapper or two in the boat yeah, yeah. yep definitely had some lane snapper um, but it was mostly the great part about that spot was it was almost strictly gag grouper or, sorry, not guy grouper. Almost strictly red grouper. There yeah, was nothing else biting around there. There was no grunts. There was no lane snapper. There was no nothing. It was mm-hmm. just red grouper and big ones at that. Well, we would have had an extra lane snapper in the boat 
but your yeah, inability yeah, yeah. to uh, want to harvest one that day. I got commissioned by PETA yeah. to let one go. Yeah, and <laughs> I told you, this go. guy should get an award for his work on the reef because, uh, <laughs> no, he had a beautiful lane and um, didn't bring it into the boat in time. It just got off the hook and swam back down, told all of its boys, it's like, such an Yo. awful feeling because <laughs> <laughs> it was such a nice lane, too. It's like, oh, man. It's probably your biggest lane. You ever, I just remember yeah, looking at it. it was definitely the biggest like, lane I had. I was like, that's a beautiful fish right there. The whole right thing there. put up a fight, too, yeah. and I let him go. Yeah, you just let him go. You know, everyone's got to – I've been fishing before Wade and I brought a buddy once and he caught a red grouper and we were catching them. They were all too small, always too mm-hmm. small. But he caught one that was over 20, but he didn't know. So he just threw it back. And we're like, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I threw it back. And we're like, Jesus. <laughs> we're like, what, do you know him? <laughs> like, <laughs> Is he your friend? <laughs> yeah. Do you know his family? Why did you just? And he felt awful and we just made fun of him for it. Mm. But his, uh you, no, you hate well, to see that. Wait, no. your response as soon as that fish swam down was priceless. Cause you, could, you could hear it in the video, too. He goes, damn, out, I didn't know you were working for PETA. <laughs> you, you hate to see it, man. You hate to see it. You hate to see uh, somebody, uh, you know, give up like that. But dude, oh, I love fishing with Wade and Tyler, too. They're, they're great. Because Wade's got so much fishing knowledge, and so does Tyler. And then fishing with those two, especially when the bite starts going. Yeah. They're just they're full of priceless quotes. Wade, that's what they look like. <laughs> that's what they look like. <laughs> and Tyler rattling off the Jurassic Park and he was standing up on the gunnels, you know, fighting these group or trying to pull them out with a spinning rod. It was just priceless. <laughs> you can't recreate that. All right. So here's a chain of a uh, change of events, okay? Nate couldn't get on. I told you, and I know we're we're talking about a story real quick, but I had to stop. Nate couldn't get on due to inability to have cell service via Verizon mm-hmm. in the city of Old Town, Florida, Dixie County. The caves of Old Town, Florida the, really prohibit any kind of cell activity. Yeah, there's no cell activity yeah. in Dixie County, Florida. Okay. Um, Nada sent me a text. In a fit of rage, he hopped in his truck in the rain without AC and has <laughs> driven to downtown Old Town, which you always know when you're downtown Old Town because it's right there. Uh, there's a Hardee's, uh, an Exxon, and a Cricket Mobile. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's he, it. <laughs> and that's it. And he's driven down there, and he has cell service now. He is in his truck. He has his microphone. He says it's raining like a son of a bitch, but he's ready to record. So you, do you think we should bring him on? I mean, the man went through all that. You got to bring him on. Yeah, you have to bring him on. All right, so again, he has told me it is raining. Uh, where he is at so we apologize if there's any weird sounding audio but we had to bring him on he was involved in the king of the beach we got to bring him on Mm -hmm. all right so nate can you hear me (laughs) i think i think i think i can hear you bud (laughs) well let me tell you something it is great to hear you because of uh the 20 minute debacle that was standing here with me and Alan standing here going, Nate, can you hear me? Nate, can you hear me? It, it really, I know it probably destroyed you because it sucked All for right, me, dude. but I knew it destroyed you. Yeah, let me tell you something. Please don't even fucking play like that because when you just said that, my heart literally about threw this phone out in the rain. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Actually, I was literally like, are you fucking serious right now? I was literally about to run over to that cricket mobile right there and punch that dude in the mouth and steal his fucking phone. <laughs> no, I can hear Jesus you. Jesus Christ. I can hear you now, okay. so you're good. I'm so glad. You can probably hear the fucking rain and thunder, too. 
I don't hear anything. No. I'm sure on your end we'll hear it, but don't worry. Uh, we're going to continue oh, yeah, our conversation. I'm literally holding the mic. Perfect. Well, I love this. While we're waiting for you to park up at the neighborhood Hardy's there, um, we were talking about uh, last year's Carbon Awards winning with uh, your video, your and Allen video of uh, King of the Beach Alpha, uh, or Blue Court Alpha, that is. And then this, and then this year being nominated with Jurassic Park Grouper. So, and Alan was kind of breaking up, breaking it down a little bit that morning of King of the Beach, of the waves being five to seven foot swells, and uh, being absolutely, absolutely soaked getting out there. And I was gonna see what your take is on that that morning. Oh yeah, so for starters, man, I know how the last podcast how you mentioned that the the Kentucky bluegrass 10 point video was one of your favorites to edit um honestly in the four years that we've been doing this that that blue cord uh was, we was blue cord alpha right no we was bravo yeah no you were alpha we were alpha okay so that that blue cord alpha kingfish video man that's that was literally like that's my baby like i i if i could tell y'all if I spent if I spent 24 hours editing that video, I didn't spend two. So, like, I I was literally editing that video in the painfulness of using uh, Wi-Fi at a red roof inn in uh, White House, Tennessee. A little bit better service than Old Town, but <laughs> not much. That's not hard but, to beat, though. Not, yeah, I mean, it ain't hard to beat, but it wasn't too much better, dude. Like, that video took me, I swear to God, y'all. I was working nights, and uh, that video took me over over five five days to edit, and I literally had over 24 hours um, editing that video. But I also had three and a half, four hours of footage to decipher for that whole week because it wasn't just the tournament day that I, you know, that was in the or the episode. It was the both both pre-fishing days and the tournament day, so kind of get off track a little bit but that's just piggybacking off of you saying you know that was your you know that was your favorite video to edit this one right here would probably have to be mine and as we get into this conversation you guys will kind of understand why so yeah as as steve said or john said whoever said it yeah that morning um we'll skip the two pre-fishing days we caught a lot of kingfish long story short beautiful days and uh, there was no, there was no question that we had, we had the spots figured out. We knew what, where the bait was. We knew, you know, what they were biting. Um, yeah, two, the two pre-fishing days were, were great. We had plenty of action all day, every day. And then there, and the, you know, and then here comes tournament day. And any of you that are listening, that's ever fished a tournament. Um, knows that Mother Nature fucking hates them because she will put every obstacle in your way to either A, make you rethink your whole idea of a tournament and B, make you just quit. It'll, it'll literally make you want to make, well, for, for instance, that day I stopped the boat, looked at Johnny and looked at Quincy and, and was like, 
fellas, we're 12 miles offshore. We got five miles to go. The weather's getting worse. What do you want to do? And they both looked at me without hesitation and said, we're already wet. We didn't come this far to turn around now. And that's the kind of people you want to have on your boat when you're fishing these types of tournaments. So right there, yeah, ben, I, I remember looking at you and saying, uh, yeah, I've been in worse. And just keep going. It's tournament day. You can't let it. You can't leave anything on the table. Yeah, I mean, we were too far. Honestly, in my head, I was like, man, we might be able to catch fish here. But if we get to that spot, I knew in my heart, like, we would catch fish. And it was just getting there. And I had a feeling if once the sun came up and the sun broke through that it would it would calm down because the weather literally had no wind and it had no waves in it. But there was, it was blowing 20 miles an hour and there was fucking waves. Like, whoever the meteorologist was on, you know, the weather app that I have that day could fuck off, in other words. <laughs> <laughs> So here we are, we're 12 miles offshore. They've done boosted the confidence up. They're not scared. I'm not scared. We, uh, we put the old naughty fox in the wind westward. And the spot we were heading to was 17 miles out. Um, we had a live well full of, you know, full of good bait that we had had pinned up in the previous days of pre-fishing. And we get yeah, out there. that was there. a game changer. What's that? Having that bait was a game changer for sure because being able to uh get that bait during the pre-fishing days and just keep them in that bait pen that was that was awesome yeah that that was the that was some diy stuff right there that that you did with the making your own bait pen and putting a pool noodle on it and yeah. then we just tied it off to tyler's dock i remember the week prior we were facetiming nate and he was showing us how he was building that bait pen yeah and it actually became part of that mission, too. It was like every time you went out, whatever bait you had, you brought it back. You just dumped it in the pen. Yeah. And we had blue runners, pinfish. Not pinfish, I'm sorry. We had blue runners, sardines. Um, we had all Yeah, thread fins. We had all sorts of stuff in that mm-hmm. thing. So that was a game changer there because you weren't having to take that time out of your the tournament day to right. catch bait. And any, anyone that fishes knows that bait is one of the biggest obstacles to get, especially when you're fishing with live bait when you're trying to troll well you so also can't able, have just one bait you can't right. just say all right i'm just gonna be having the variety was yeah a huge help. i'm not just gonna pull skirts I'm, I'm not i'm not just gonna pull live bait you have to pull everything because they might not want that day you know even with pulling skirts like if i throw i'm not gonna throw and not to get off track here nate but if if, if i'm gonna be dragging baits i'm not gonna put a, a blue and silver skirt on the right and then a blue and silver skirt on the left I'm going to put two completely different colors. Mm-hmm. And whichever one they hit, that's the one I'm sticking with. And I'll go on the other side and put that same color on that side. And then, you know, you put your, you know, your your blue your blue runners and you put the skirt over top of them. If you've never tried to fish kings, um, that's how you're going to operate there. Or you don't use skirts and you just run baits. And, yeah, I think, Nate, wh- how many lines did you guys uh, were initially when – I know you guys didn't get to your full – using all your riggers but you were going to use what four you're going to use six so on all six were you going to run the same thing or were you going to run different stuff like for live baits here uh with no skirts ones with skirts maybe an artificial here you know like you're not going to run the same thing all the way across mm-hmm. all six correct so basically we mitigated all of that stress and all of that co- that questioning between the colors of the skirts whether we were using skirts or not uh you know the size bait the type of bait we mitigated that whole fucking question 
the two days prior. So we knew going into tournament day that, yeah, a variety is still going to be good late in the game because, uh, you know, fishing's never promised. You know, as conditions change, so do the fish. But going into tournament day, I was 100% confident that we did not need a skirt on any rod and that we control all six rods with uh, thread fins. So that was going to be my strategy on tournament day. Now, leading up to tournament day, I would run, this is, I'll, I'll just give you all an example of what Steve's talking about. So let's say you're going out clueless, no, you know, this is your first day out trolling or whatever. So I have 15 foot taco outriggers. So I'll set my riggers out and I have an out rod, you know, an outrigger and an inrigger. And then I have two rods off each side of the uh, stern. So basically um, off the left side of the, or, you know, off the port side, I would, I would run um, like a darker colored uh, skirt. And then I would, my, my, off the tip, my, off the tip, my furthest bait out would always be whatever the most hardiest bait is, whatever the bait could keep up with the boat the best. You don't, because if you run, let's say a blue runner, you know, you're trolling two, two to three knots, but a, a blue runner can swim 10 to 15. If you troll them in your prop wash, I've done it before. They, they'll swim up, on, you know, they'll be swimming past the boat. And when the fish hits, there'll be so much slack in the line. First of all, you won't even know you're getting a hit, which, is, which actually happened pre-fishing. We got a hit on a blue runner in the prop wash, but the blue runner was even with the boat and not the, the line looked like it was tight because the line, you, the line we're using mono, it doesn't float, it sinks. So the mono was obviously pulled tight in the waves, but the fish was up ahead of the boat. So when the fish hit, we didn't even know it hit and you'll constantly lose strikes like that because your bait fish is swimming faster than your boat. So you always want to troll your, your more hardy, faster, healthier baits on your long line. So off the tip of your riggers, which would be your, you know, your furthest line out, off the tip of your riggers, you want to run them. I always run mine around the 50-yard mark. I keep them, you know, 100, 100, 120 feet behind the boat. As far back as you're, more, you know, as far back as, as you're comfortable putting them. That's where you want your bigger, like your bigger, healthier, hardy baits. If you were going to troll a Spanish mackerel or if you were going to troll blue runners or, uh, you know, uh, live, any, you know, anything big, anything over 10 to 12 inch bait range, you want it to be farther out. That way, you know, they can't catch up to the boat. So that's what we did pre-fishing. We'd keep the darker skirts on the port side and on the uh, starboard side, we would keep your lighter colored skirts like your yellows and your whites and your pinks, we would do that off one side, then your blues, your blacks, and your reds, we'd run off the other side of the boat. And then our two, our two, our two like right off the back of the boat in our prop wash, we wouldn't run any skirts on them, and we noticed that we were getting significant more amount of bites, whether it's just because of the presentation of the bait being washed up in a prop wash or it just didn't have a skirt on at all that we were getting significant more bites in the prop wash without a skirt. So on tournament day, I said, I'm going to run a non-hardy bait, such as a thread fin, and I'm going to run them all the same distance from the boat. Um, 
whether I run them off the tip or off the inrigger or off the back of the boat, they're all going to be r roughly the same distance as to be in the prop wash to, you know, because that's where we got most of our bites. So I try to strategically take, place my baits where the bait's going to be rolling off of you, off the V of your prop wash. So if you're looking behind your boat, your boat creates that V or a wave, especially when you're trolling. It's like a wake, like a wakeboard boat. Like you're bogging down, you have a wave off the each side of the boat. So I try to strategically pl place mine like a V in that where your bait's kind of always at the top of the rolling of that wave. And that's where you'll always, if you're paying attention, 90% of the time, you'll see the fish strike because your bait's only, you know, 6 to 10 inches under the water. So yeah. going into tournament, well, we were there, talking about it. Go ahead. We were talking about it the other day, too, um, just how much of a difference a tackle makes, when you're, especially when you're fishing kingfish, and specifically when you're buying store-bought stinger rigs versus homemade, and how you had all your homemade stinger rigs. And I'm going to credit that fish to having the right tackle and doing all that right stuff with the bait, having them out like you were just talking about. Because uh, if we hadn't, I've lost the kingfish that I had when we went when I went back out to that same spot because I was using a store-bought stinger rig. Absolutely, I, I will not trust somebody else's tackle anymore. Um, not to try to get too far off topic, but I'm gonna tell y'all a quick story real quick that happened to me actually uh, back in May. So. I took a couple guys out from Tennessee. They came down from Tennessee. Uh, Evan Close and his cousin, actually, his name's John, too. Um, Evan's a good friend of ours. He's been on the pro staff since we've started this, since day one. And he comes down fishing with me once a year or whatever. So I take him out. He wants to go catch a kingfish. So we go out to my kingfish hole out of Steen Hatchet. And uh, we're trolling around. What we was doing was we was we would bottom fish for sea bass and we'd drift well when we were drifting we would throw a flat line out the back well i had a store-bought stinger rig just a straight 40 pound stinger rig just straight wire uh jay hook with a treble hook stinger and i was trolling uh cigar minnow or not trolling just flatlining well we get over the spot i'd get the boat turned in the right direction where you know the we're not going to drift back into the bait we throw it out, and within, I mean, first thing in the morning, dude, within, I don't know, five minutes of drifting, this rod just fires off, dude. I'm talking about just, it, sell, it sounds like an ACDC lead guitarist back there, dude. Just letting, <laughs> letting that bitch fucking ring, son. And I was like, all right, it's a good fish. Well, it kind of dives straight below the boat. And this is before I pass the rod off to the angler. And I'm, it goes straight down. I'm standing, I'm literally almost standing on my motor. It's straight down below the motor. And I'm trying to make sure it don't hit my prop. About that time, boink, the line breaks. And I'm like, that's fucking weird. Like, I've never had a, you know, usually your line don't break on a kingfish. So, I reel up, and sure as shit, the fucking stinger, the wired stinger, broke so it was not my tackle that broke now if it was my tackle yeah you tuck your tail between your legs and you fucking chalk it up as a loss but that wasn't my shit i didn't tie that you know the integrity of that isn't on my shoulders so i've re-rigged and i use seven strand wire so i use that very flexible it doesn't kink you, you know I, I make my own stingers now and Right after that, 
I've retied on my own stinger because I have utmost confidence with it. Went back up to the top of my drift, got the boat angled in the right direction, dropped down right over top of my mark where I marked that fish, and before I put the rod in the rod holder, the rod went off. And this time, he didn't quite dive straight down. He, he, he made his, you know, 100, 100, 150 yard run. I handed the rod to, to John because he had never caught a kingfish before. I handed the rod to John. I said, get to the front of the boat. We're going to go after him. So he gets to the front of the boat. We go after him, blah, blah, blah. And uh, this fish was so big, dude. Like, he, he was so big, and he was just, you could tell how mature this fish was by the color of him. Like, normally, these, they call them the silver bullets. Like, they, they're silver. You can see them shine from 100 feet from the boat. Well, this fish was just such a, you know, a man that he did not have that shine to him anymore. He was just like, he was like a green, like, a, like that king green water. He was literally camouflaged with the color of that water. And I never seen the fish. John said, the fish is right here. And I looked down, and all I seen was like a gray shadow from the stripe on his back. And I was like, holy fuck. So I told Evan, I said, keep the boat angled in this direction. I told John to go to the back of the boat. The fish come gotten parallel with the boat. He walked to the front. The fish come up there, perfect ABC gaff, throwed him in the boat. We all lost our shit. Well, we put him on the scale. He was 43 awesome. pounds. Oh, man. <laughs> and, oh, could you imagine if we had one of those during the tournament? <laughs> dude, this was two fucking days after the Spring King. <laughs> so, oh, when I man. went to de-hook this fish, bro, I swear to God, I got pictures of it. Our stinger that broke off 20 minutes before that was in the fish's mouth. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. Hey, let, Nate, let me ask you, what was the difference in size between the one we caught during the tournament and that 43-pounder you had in the boat? So, the excitement level was no different. Um, the, the length of the fight was pretty similar. The action of the fish was pretty similar. Um, but the size difference, he this fish, I want to say this fish right here was around the 56-inch mark. And, uh, and just... I never, I didn't measure the girth of him, um, but dude, when this fish hit the deck, you could, it was just a significant difference, like, my heart skipped a beat, like, it was hard for me to catch my breath, and, and the guy that caught the fish, he, he was shaking, like, his arms, like, whenever he, you, you can see it in the video, whenever he puts the rod down, and he's, he's just, like, in a, like a, I don't know, a daze, like, he's just fucking, mind yeah, that, that, I know this fish I know was. the feeling it's insane that was dude. definitely the same feeling and it, that was definitely the same feeling we had during the tournament because as soon as he gaffed that fish and got it on the boat and we all went ape shit man that's that's something else yeah so that's sort of in other words that's the type of rigs I went to I went to the seven strand more flexible non-kinkable uh, braided wire uh, 40 pound I run them about 18 to 20, 18 to 24 inches long, and my stingers are always about the length from the back of the palm of your hand to the tip of your finger. So, as long as you want, you want your stingers to be about three quarter the length of your bait fish. So you want, obviously, hook it in the nose with your front hook, and then the back hook. Never pull it too tight because you don't want your fish to be pulled tight, and he'll start 
flipping and spinning the prop wash. You always want to leave a little bow in your in your treble. Leave a little bow in your little stinger treble. And uh, I, I actually started just not even hooking them with that stinger, just letting the stinger run freely beside the fish because I've had better luck like that too. It's just the little things. Yeah, you, you don't learn. want the you don't want the stinger being longer than the fish too because if it starts hitting. If while it's in there and while you're you're pulling that bait and that stinger hits say the back of the tail, now you're now you're hooked up and your your bait is kind of uh, it's crooked now because it, it almost looks like a U because it's stuck and and now it's not swimming properly and, and all that stuff because you're still banking on that fish being naturally swimming even though it's being pulled behind the boat. Exactly. Because um, you know fish aren't like I don't like saying fish are smart. But fish, mm, I disagree. You, well, I'm saying smart, I don't want to say smart like they're intellectual <laughs> and stuff like that. But a, a fish, you ever like thrown out a snook that ain't hungry? Yeah, all the time. And you know what it's gonna do? <laughs> the, you can present the best bait ever to a snook, and it's staring right at it, and it's gonna go. I can. I'm not doing. I, you have red braid. Yeah, I'm not doing it. Yeah. So if you you start throwing stuff at a, you know, you th- pulling these thread fin, and a kingfish is used to just hammering thread fin, it's not used to hammering a thread fin that looks like a ball it's not going to hit it yeah or I, it may not hit it you know what i'm saying so you got to present it to something that it likes to exactly you're gonna that thing is gonna be spiraling and jackknifing and it's just gonna be rolling in the wake instead of doing its natural swimming ability and yeah you got to be careful with that and no that's a good point you made about making sure that the stinger is not as not yeah. as long as the full bait you know what's funny though i used to fish with a guy in the flats that swore swore by using the all red circle hooks when he was using live bait. Oh yeah, like Gamakatsu he never caught reds. anything. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, what are you, what are you doing, man? You know they could see it. <laughs> I'm like, we're in crystal clear water right now, going after redfish or snook. I'm like, you think that they can't see that red hook? Nah. nah Come yeah. on, they know something's up. Yeah, listen, I'm like, again, I'm not saying they're smart, but they know what they're after. Mm-hmm. Listen, and if these fish, things are, if these fish were dumb and they were easy to catch, we wouldn't be worried about them. <laughs> no, yeah, we'd be, we'd be, we'd be hand fishing them with. Public's chicken wings <laughs> but that's not the case you can't just do that so and uh no we, we were um before you got on yeah we were talking about uh the carbon awards uh with that video um and you guys like i said both boats going out there in awful weather and you guys uh and we touched base on me catching the fish where it shoots out of the water and just having that great footage there but then you guys getting out there to that point and putting your lines in the water and before you can actually finish putting your lines in the water is when that king hits and just starts smoking the reel. Nate, I was giving you props too for being able to just get us out there, Captain, in that boat because that is some real sketchy water to be going out in in a single engine boat. Like I'll tell you what, had, so. one, of the key, one of the key points to being able to operate a vessel in that sort of, in that sort of weather or you know water or whatever you want to call it if you didn't have a knob on your on your steering wheel, you wouldn't be able to do it. So, whoever come up with the knob on the steering wheel ordeal, they're fucking geniuses because the way you have to operate and work that boat to keep that boat in and you know on course, you uh, you really got to work that that steering wheel. But we'll we'll make it quick right here, Steve. So we get out 17 miles and we're and lines in at six. We're out there, it's like quarter after seven. I tell John, we're, we're about a quarter mile from the spot. I tell John, I said, hey, here you take the boat over. I, I showed him the waypoint on, on, the, on the Garmin. 
and he's easing the boat in that direction. We're, I mean, <coughs> honestly, we had, the seas were rough, but kings bite better in rough seas. And the way the, ro the waves were going, or the waves were going, it was actually benefiting us in this position. The waves were, the waves were out of the east pushing us west towards the spot and the waves weren't like coming over the bow or nothing so we really had a good you know a good sea for this sort of troll so as Quincy and I are, are putting our spread out the back I think Quincy got both of his rods out I got one of mine out and I and uh I was working my I was working in, I want to say the yeah I got my tip I got the rod off the tip rigger, and I was working my end rigger. Well, I dropped my end rigger out about, like I said, to that 15, 20 foot mark to the prop wash, and I looked back, and just as I was saying, my look back and my thread fin was just like spiraling out of control. I was like, that ain't going to work. So I reel that bait back in, snap it out of the rigger. I put a fresh bait on because we had plenty of fucking bait. I put a fresh bait on. I, I swing them out there, drop them back. He, he got back to that 15. That 15, 20 foot mark. As soon as I swear to God, as soon as I put that rod in the rod holder, set the clicker, and turned around to grab my other rod, that rod snapped out of the rigger. And I thought my riggers were set too loose or whatever because the waves were kind of strong. Soon, uh, and before I got my third rod to put my third rod out, that rod started just riding out. Um, at that point, we didn't know how big the fish was because all all kingfish make that you know initial run. So we're at this point where I Quincy, I've tested Quincy on multiple kingfish and pretty sizable kingfish at that. And I know he's calm, collective, and he knows how to maneuver around the boat if there's obstacles. Well, I hand a rod to Quincy. I give, I start recording with my phone instantly, like almost instantly. I hand the phone to Johnny, and uh, he begins recording this. And we chase this fish around for, I want to say the fight lasted between 8 to 12 minutes. Um, and we got, it, we got the fish to where he was no longer uh, horizontal with us. He was vertical, so he, we were directly up and, up and down over the fish. We got him up to about 30 foot. And we began seeing color, and the first time I seen this fish flash at like 30 or 40 foot below the boat, man, I, I instantly knew. I didn't know how big because I'd never, at this point, I'd never really uh, weighed a kingfish per se. Um, but I estimated this fish at the time around 40 pounds, and I can, everybody on the boat can vouch for that. And, you know, we may have made a mistake on that, but whatever. No, I think there's. I think the scale at the tournament was definitely off because that fish was all forty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you say I'll that. I'll take now. that. I'll take it to the grave. But yeah, so we wait. Quincy does an amazing job. Um, if y'all go back and watch the video, we we weren't ready for this. We we was more focused on getting rods in the water than we were clearing a path around the a, a safe a uh, a safe both from the anglers point and for the the uh success you know the successful gaffing of this fish route around this boat so that being said to kind of for y'all to visualize this i have rod holders in the front of my boat and we have bean bags and my bean bags were stacked up on the front and i had two rods up and down 
on the on the bow of the boat. So this fish immediately runs, obviously, to the other side of the fucking boat around the front. So Quincy, he's got to uh, not only finesse this fish, but he's got to finesse it in a way where he can get up and over them rods, step over these bean bags, and not let the line hit the anchor all at the same time. And he does this two or three times throughout this fight. So, very, very, very big props to Quincy on fighting this fish. It was amazing watching him work that fish. Yeah, he it did an awesome. awesome job. Even just watching him, the way he was reeling it and fighting it, you know, aside from the fact that he was working with all the obstacles around the boat, just the way he finessed the fish, too, when we still had it horizontal, he wasn't he wasn't really fighting it hard like it was, you know, he's trying to pull it out of a hole or anything like that. He was just finessing it, just reeling nice and slow, keeping tension on the line, making sure he had his rod tip bent. You know, he, he, yeah, he did it perfectly. A kingfish has a real soft mouth. They're not a bony mouth. You can rip that hook so easy. So he, no, that's why you know when you got a good kingfish rod, it's got a loose tip. So you'll have like a stiffer rod, but at the top, you shake it a little bit with your wrist. That that top is gonna, it's gonna go nuts because, yeah, you're not trying to rip. That's why the, I like the them. That's the why I like, like you the, said, it's a soft palate. That's why I like the medium action jigging rods, man. They're so perfect for it. They're they're they got the beef at the base, and the tips of them, you know, they're made for jigging, so they're made to give that lure a little action at the tip. So they're always a little loose. So. Quincy, yeah, he just, he basically fights this, he basically fights it like he's hooked onto a tree. Like, you don't fight it like a fish, you fight it like you're reeling up a tree that you know is way too big for your line capacity, and that it could break your line if you, if you horse it too much, you know what I mean? Like, if you, let's just, if you, if you wrap your line around a 200 pound rock, and you're trying to reel it up with your drag tight, and you're just reeling, you're going to break your line. But if you finesse that rock up and get momentum behind that rock, it, you, can, you can reel it up with 40-pound line. So he's fishing this. He's, he's basically reeling this fish in just like that. Like, he's finessing the fish. He's gaining momentum on this fish. He's manipulating the direction of this fish. Whichever way that fish is going, he's manipulating the direction of that fish. He's basically got the fish on a leash is what it looked like the entire fight it looked like he yeah and at no had point the fish were we like oh and man, was we're just walking this. this kingfish around the around the gulf until it got up it made two or three circles around the boat and eventually i made the i i gapped he didn't go twin and when obviously we lost our shit so it was it was a great day it was really a great day. We estimated the fish, like I said. We, whenever I made the phone calls and the text messages, uh, it, it was all 40 pound, 40 pound, 40 pound. And when I got back to my Uncle Frank's, he's he's fished professionally in the SKA tournament. He finished 19th out of 150 boats in the Southeastern Division uh, three or four years in a row. He's gotten invited to the Nationals uh, two years. Um, I got to his house, and he had the fish bag and six bags of ice for us. And whenever I pulled the fish out of the out of the cooler, he was like, "Jesus Christ, bud, you might have just won this thing." And we're talking, you know, we're talking one hundred and twenty, hundred thirty thousand dollars. So I knew single engine. If you caught a thirty pound fish, statistics show if you catch a thirty pound fish, you're you're winning sixteen grand. So I at this point, there was no doubt in my mind that we was walking away with at least sixteen grand. And 
you know, the scale showed different. So when we weighed the fish in, it was 26 pounds even. We ended up finished fifth in the single engine division. Um, and uh, we walked away with $500 from that. And, and you know uh, what that $500 did? That $500 paid for the whole tournament. <laughs> yeah, paid for everything. So. Yeah, I mean, we basically fished that. We basically fished for free that weekend, which was, you know, ultimately you can't argue because there's a lot of guys like, you know, I I walked away from it upset for for about a week until I realized kind of what we did. And uh, when I sat back and and looked at the looked at the final, you know, the final layout of the of the weigh-ins. Y'all, there was 609 boats in that tournament. <clears throat> we finished 23rd overall and 5th in single engine division. Just to put that in perspective. 609 boats, 23rd overall, and 5th in single engine. Yeah, a lot of people consider themselves lucky just to go back and actually weigh in a fish. So to go back and weigh in a fish and place, that's a huge deal. And if you remember correctly, we were in fourth place sitting at 1500 bucks until the last boat weighed in. The last yeah, fish weighed in beat us, beat us by like fucking seven ounces. And we dropped from fourth, which was 1500 to fifth, which was 500 So the entire night, the four hours of this weigh-in, we were there. We were in the money. Like, we were in decent money the entire, in the entire night, you know. And then I hear Steven's story, and he weighs in. If he would have, I don't think he weighed that mackerel head in that he had, but if he would have weighed in just the Spanish mackerel head in he had, that weighed, he would have got seventh place with that. And that was just, <laughs> yeah. that was half, that was half the fucking fish. Trust me, man, if you watch it, if you watch that episode and you look at that fish, that is the fattest mackerel I had ever caught. And I'm telling you, and I'd already mentioned it before you came back on, but that, that mackerel was the biggest one I ever caught and it was still just cut in half. And, and even it, just the experience alone, and I was mentioning to him, uh, we were talking about how when I film fishing trips now, I don't have a cameraman, I have myself. So I only go out with my cell phone and my GoPro. And my GoPro gets mounted and my cell phone stays in my pocket and I let my GoPro kind of run for five, eight minute intervals. And uh, I use my phone for if I'm completely not, you know, I'm not helping anybody with fish, helping people with, you know, putting out fires with, fish coming up or if i'm not fishing in general i'll pull out my phone but my gopro is my main source of of filming you know what i mean and and i can't expect you know like if i were to have a cameraman on the boat i think uh, i want to say it was what two i think it's 300 bucks or 350 bucks for the kingfish tournament and so i can't expect someone to pay money to go fishing and just sit there and cameraman so i just do it myself so when that fish me mounting the gopro up on that t-top and that fish skyrocketing out of the water it's one of, and I use the example to Alan as a or Johnny as a uh, it's like car accidents like you always hear a car accident you don't see a car accident you're driving you just hear, car accident but filming that thing was like if I were to say everybody on that boat saw that fish come out of the water but if I hadn't filmed it you know you just have to say oh god a fish just came out of the water the fact that it was filmed skyrocketing out of the water it was awesome it was awesome like if if you see my video compared to yours and yours has got a lot more cooler stuff to it because y'all's excitement and all that and the pre-fishing aspect but the you look at ours yeah it was shorter but it had some cool footage on it like that it it made the video that being said steve 
Uh, let let me just reiterate on that. So, I'm an avid fisher. I'm an I'm an avid fisherman. I can uh I can vouch for types of filming and and this and that. So, trolling this type of fishing, I think having a cameraman is a pretty fluent uh a pretty fluent way to do it because when you're trolling and you hook a fish all the other rods come in there's no there's no oh shit leave them out just in case no dude when you hook a fish and trolling especially a kingfish they, they all got, come in they all come in so there's one fisherman and there's four other people just watching one of them other guys is very capable of filming i trust i trust a random person on my boat 100% to hold a gopro but i do not trust 100% that he's going <laughs> to gaff that fish so I'll gap the fish. No, one absolutely. Of, one, of, one of the innocent bystanders can at least record this, and one of them's catching the fish. Now, bottom fishing, Steve, that's where I can agree with you as far as I can't, you know, you're paying to be on this boat. You know, you're, you got money invested. Um, yeah, I'm not going to ask you to film me catch a grouper because you obviously have a rod in your hand and it's down in the water and you can catch a fish. So I'm not going to – that kind of goes hand in hand there. So. If you're trolling, it's a lot easier to film a trolling fishing trip, which is kind of why I've stuck to that type of fishing for the last couple of years. Because it, for one, it creates great content, and for two, it, or there's a few points: it creates great content. Two, it's a, it, it's a easier to film, and three, you don't have anglers on your boat pissed off, or you don't feel guilty asking them to film it because it's right there at the hands. Like they're standing there anyways. You might as well have a wide-angled view of it on a GoPro. Because GoPros, let's just face it, you know, they're up-close cameras, they're very wide-angled. All you got to do is point it in the direction. You're going to catch everything within a 180-degree radius. So, that's the, you know, it's it's simple. And I've never had anybody be like, no, nah, dude, I'm not going to record you catching this kingfish. I mean, it's they're standing there anyways. They might as well. Now... No, even when we were on our boat, when we were hooking on the fish, I wasn't filming anything. It was me and Wade... We would have uh, that like that that trip alone. Like Tyler was on the uh, the wheel, me and Wade were either reeling in the fish or gaffing the fish, and then uh, either Jen or Tyler would just be filming, hundred percent. I just want to say, I'm probably the best gaffer you'll ever want on your boat. Just saying. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell I've, you this: when we were gaffing up one on that trip alone, I went to gaff it, and the damn gaff bent backwards. The hook did. And I don't know if it was a cheap gaff or what. So uh, I ended up having, because of that, instead of taking the time to fix it, I just I had the line and I just, just barehanded the, the king into the boat. Uh, and then we had to bend the gaff back. I don't know what happened with that gaff. And everyone's like, why can't you get I'm like, you, you get off my back here for a second. This, <laughs> this damn gaff is bent back like a spoon right now. We're not getting the fish in the boat. <laughs> so I just had to start grabbing them and then until we could fix the gaff. But when you – I know you're about to say you're the world's best gaffer, and you know, I'll say you're a pretty decent gaffer. But if you aren't good at gaffing, get off the boat. Yeah. Might as well bring a banana on the boat. Yeah. You are not helping me. If you're like, oh, can I try no, – we're not trying to we're gaff not today. Trying. Not during a tournament. You're not we are not learning to gaff, to gaff no. today. No, we will talk about it at another time. It is not happening today. The only way you can come on the boat if you're a terrible gaffer is if you can keep the boat in a straight line or you can catch a fish. Yeah, you hey, can, get, grab the wheel. On, just you go straight. Have, 
put it this way on tournament day if you if you're on my boat on tournament day you have a fucking purpose and if it's not gaffing you better learn something fucking else because i'm not bringing you on tournament day on the boat if you don't know what the fuck you're doing that's just period i mean i can take you fishing we can lose fish on a saturday we can lose fish on a tuesday but we're not losing fish in the king of the beach Mm-mm. No, and I'm not. Yeah, and I'm tur- not. The tournament not going, sells all business. Yeah, dude, I'm not going back to the dock. Going, man. Uh, yeah, we we had the game. We had the game one right here, and uh, Johnny Allen hit it, hit the fucking fish with the back of the gaff and broke the fucking fish off. Just to give y'all an example, I was fishing in a tournament, um, about two months ago, out of Steen Hatchie. And it was a kingfish tournament. It was a reeling for kids tournament. And I got a phone call. Hey, you want to go? You know, you know how to catch kingfish. Yeah, of course. You want to come on the boat? Absolutely. So I go on this boat. I don't know who. I don't know the guy who's driving the boat at the time. One of my. I just knew the buddy that invited me. Well, we go out there. Same shit, dude. We are literally in a fucking thunderstorm. And rods go off and uh they're i'm looking around like who's gonna catch this fish because i'm the only one that i've never seen these guys gaff a fish so i'm like i know a hundred percent that i can gaff this fish who's gonna fight the fish they're like oh this it's your fish catch it all right so who's gaffing he's like, oh, i'll gaff it all right cool i get it up there i swear to god it's about a 16 17 pound fish and <clears throat> perfect I had him, I had the fish sideways up right right beside the boat and I felt like he threw a football at it. Like that's what it looked like. And or he looked like a he looked like a four year old chopping a golf club at a golf ball. You know what I mean? Like I was like, Jesus. I said right there instantly I said, Take the rod, I'll gaff. So I handed him a rod, fish come around, did another circle and I gaffed the fish to him in the boat. So if 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 you can't gaff, I'd rather you I'd rather you lose the fish on the rod than lose the fish at the boat with a gaff. I'd rather not see the fish than see the fish than see the fish and you just like knock it off the line. That's terrible. I hate that. So there's just so much that could go wrong with a gaff, dude. Like besides the fact that I could that you know you could stab me in the arm while you're fishing. You know what I mean? Like I. That's not even, we're not even looking at it as a safety standpoint. We're looking at it like, you know, not, not like I know what you did last summer. Dude running around with a damn hook on his arm. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, like, I got to trust you behind my back swinging a fucking four-foot hook around. You know what I mean? And then I got to trust you that you're going to stab this fish and get him in the boat for me. So there's a lot that goes into it, man. Tournament fishing's another it's a whole another beast. It's it's something that I'll do for the rest of my life, just like bow hunting. Uh I lose my shit just as much as killing a nice bug. Especially when it's a good fish in a tournament. Like there's there's nothing that compares to it. Um and if anybody's interested in doing it, y'all y'all should hit us up and we'll you know, we'll try to get you on a boat or uh we'll take you kingfishing or um or you guys can fish. Yeah, I'd rather you take a, I'd rather you take a fucking twelve gauge with birdshot and shoot it. Yeah, but don't you dare catch that gaff though. 
Don't touch that gaff. That's Nate's gaff. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you, Nate. Uh, the we're about to be on almost. We're a couple months away from being full two years on carbon, and in these two years, we've had one season dedicated to fishing, which was season three. Would you have thought of all the hunting content we have that it was the fishing that people that's drawn people more to blue cord in these in these four in these four seasons we've done do you would you have believed that it was the fishing that was what really grabbed people's attention compared to our hunting am i surprised that the fishing videos are um you know the hit on carbon no because the simple fact that only five states border the gulf um 90 percent well the the people that created carbon and a lot of their following is is midwest or northwest of you know the country so they're all interested in it they're all intrigued and they're all mind blown of, of fishing on the gulf and um you see a lot of you know you do see a lot of you see a lot of fishing but it's always smallmouth or pike or walleye or this or that but you don't see much golf fishing and we're like one of the only video or one of the only people that do it and then the five or four or five peacock videos that we have i mean we're probably the only ones that have a peacock bass catch or video on carbon so they're going to be drawn to that naturally as well and it goes hand in hand with hog hunt that's why we're all our hog hunt videos do so good is because there's not hogs in all you know 50 states so people are obviously going to be drawn to that so the you know we've talked about it before the people from down here we love watching people kill elk people that can kill elk they love watching people kill hogs the the happy mediums whitetail there's whitetail everywhere so that's why you that's why there's more whitetail hunting on these types of platforms because don't matter where you're at in this country or you know you can kill whitetail so that's probably the common denominator is whitetail so you're obviously going to have decent views if you have great footage or a good deer filmed on camera but you're going to have more views if their resources are limited to what what's in their region and they're interested Let's say they want to come take a trip down here. They're going to Google this or that. They're going to go on Carbon. They're going to go on YouTube. They're going to look at these videos. Okay. Kingfishing videos. Do I want to go kingfishing? Look up kingfishing videos. Boom. There we are. We're fucking smashing these kingfish down there. Of course they're going to want to come down here. So same with us. If we want to go kill an elk, it's like I'm going to go. I'm instantly going to go look up elk hunt videos. I'm going to go out there and see, okay, is this something I want to do? And boom. Yeah, I'm intrigued by it. Let's fucking ride out. So that's why I think you know, our fishing videos are, you know, thriving is because it's just the resources in that region is limited. So obviously they can't go fish the Gulf if their state don't go to the Gulf. So there's a lot more people out there than there is here. And evidently they're, they're intrigued by it. So it's pretty cool. It's really interesting. It's in things that, you know, us as producers of this type of stuff that we don't really realize it until we do it. You know, we didn't expect, I didn't expect it, but I'm not surprised though. My question to you about being surprised, I'm not surprised either. 
And I know when we originally went into this, and I know our first video, like when we decided, hey, we're going to do the channel initially when we started on YouTube, it was a, a trolling video of you and the Outer Banks catching uh, mahi and stuff. But did I think our channel was going to be pretty much just hunting? Of course I did. That's what I thought it was. It wasn't until I went down to South Florida with the Army and we started catching those peacocks and I was able to make four videos, and we did five videos, right? Yeah, five. Yeah, I think it was and five. Uh, four of them were peacocks. The fifth one was just beach fishing. That uh, we decided to just do a straight fishing season. And I've I've mentioned it on this podcast before. In I think my first episode when I'm talking just about the history of blue cord, that season three was the first season that I I was like thoroughly impressed with every single episode that that season has to offer. And I don't know if it was just what we in that we used. It was just all 4K with our phones and stuff like that because uh, in like the water, everything looks great. But there was something about it where every single video was great. Yeah, they were heavy hitter videos. There was almost every video you had a new species, a big fish, a mm. crazy moment. Yeah, you get away from, in in our big thought process was never not show people what you're doing. If it's a boring video, you know, we made sure to put something that was exciting in it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, we're not going to post a video of not seeing deer, right? right. But, the, uh, but we'll show you the scouting portion of that video of not seeing deer. But when it comes to fishing, you don't post videos of not fishing. Like, the, the, your scouting video of fishing is, that would be atrocious. Right. You guys are doing something, too, that... Um not everyone else on that platform is doing so you're seeing all this salt water you know gulf of mexico fishing you know trolling or deep dropping or going after peacock bass or whatever it may be no one else is doing that on carbon at least none as uh as frequent as car as a uh, blue cord is and i think another reason why the fishing has has gotten such popularity is just because not everyone can go out and hunt whitetail not everyone can go out and hunt elk or hunt uh, pigs or anything like that but I'll tell you what it doesn't take a lot for someone to go to Walmart buy a fishing rod and go to their nearest shoreline or go to their nearest lake and and just try something out and I think that's why it's so popular especially uh, in Florida and in the other states is anyone can go and do it but it takes a specific type of person and a lot of knowledge to go out there and try to hunt whitetail like my first experience doing you know hunting whitetail I had to go out with Steven and I still don't think that I could go out there by myself and figure it out I would definitely need to go out with someone that's done it before but it doesn't take anyone to go out there and, and try fishing for the first time and you brought up a good point right there I believe just two fish let's let's take these two let's take these two hand in hand here and one hand just to do your basic fishing okay like you said I'm gonna go to Walmart I'm going to buy a fishing rod, line, tackle, bait, a license, and I'm going to go to the body of water and go fishing. You're looking at, you know, you can do that for less than 50 bucks. You can go fishing. If I'm saying, okay, bare minimum now, 50 bucks, anybody can go fishing, 50 bucks. Anywhere in the country. Bare minimum. Bare minimum hunting. Dude, you can't even buy a hunting license for less than 50 bucks. So you're it's a lot cheaper so i didn't even look i didn't even think of it like that bro so you made a real good point there that these people not not only are they interested in it as like a thrill or or you know like i was saying they're looking at it like okay this is more my type of outdoorsman 
Like, it's cheaper. This is more something I can accomplish than yeah. than going out and looking for big game. Yeah, it's I more, can accomplish. I can go fishing. It's more doable. It's it's more practical for me to go fishing in this ditch or this pond or this lake than it is for me to buy a bow, a rifle, a tree stand, camouflage, boots, license, jackets, thermocells, arrows, fucking everything, and then just, just to maybe fucking see a deer. Like, that's... Yeah, and especially with the, uh, with the peacock bass videos. Yeah, with the peacock bass videos we had, like, we literally, step by step, from the first episode to the last of how to go out and catch peacock bass. We went to Walmart, we bought some of the cheapest equipment, cheapest tackle, mm-hmm. and we just figured it out. And I think anyone that And even none lives, of us have ever targeted that no. fish, ever. So I think anyone that even lives in the area of South Florida can look at that video and go, oh, I could do that. I, I can go to Walmart and pick this up. I can go down to my nearest canal and, you know, just sight fish him. So it's, it's easier, it's it's more interesting for people to watch content that they can look at and say, I could do that. And let's be honest too. If you are from out of state of Florida, I don't really think a lot of people are going to be watching a lot of Florida hunting videos because they're coming in on vacation to go Florida hunting. Mm. Maybe for Osceola turkeys. That's a hundred percent. What people are going to out of towners are going to do. They want to go fishing. They want to go offshore and catch big fish and all that stuff. You know, no one ever, no one comes from Michigan and says, yeah, I can't wait to get down to Florida, get me a whitetail. (laughs) They're not going to say it. Right. But they will come out of town to be like, oh yeah, we're going to Daytona or New Smyrna Beach or Clearwater Beach. Yeah, we're going to go on some fishing charters, this and that. Not even that. Anyone can rent a boat and buy a fishing rod and go out and do it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people are going to be looking at the, the fishing aspect more than hunting when it comes to Florida. And I get it. I also know what Florida provides for me hunting wise too. Mm-hmm. It, it provides me probably as much big game as any other state. I mean, when you want to talk about deer, pigs, gators, turkeys, uh, bird, duck, whatever, you know what I'm saying? It, 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 it hooks up on all aspects. Look at it like this, Steve and, and John. Um, are you, so as a viewer standpoint and you're, and you're, you know, you've never seen blue court outdoors, whatever. And then you watch all our videos. Okay. Are you 100% confident that we are going to shoot a deer in our videos? What's, what's the percentage do you think watching our videos that we're going to shoot a deer? What would you say, Steve? You talking about judging off of the videos we've put out? Off, yes, off of our videos. What do you think the percentage of us killing a deer is going to be? If I were to be realistic, you, I would say somewhere in that fifteen percent range. Okay, how about you, Johnny? Um. Yeah, I, I'm talking. I think it's a little will, higher. After watching all our videos. After watching all our videos, what do you think the percentage of us successfully shooting a deer is in recovery? Oh, maybe 60, 70%. Oh, shit. Okay. I have to okay. say. Yeah. All right. Both sides of the spectrum right. here. 15%. That's, that's low. All right. Come on. Now, let me ask you this, Steve. From a viewer standpoint, you watch all our fishing videos. 
what is what is the percentage of us successfully catching fish? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Exactly. Exactly. So I that's another angle you can look at it. And and listen, my fifteen percent about like probably, us harvesting an animal while hunting isn't like, oh, I'm not I don't believe in my personal skills or Nate's personal skills. It's the odd that and we can all understand the odds of actually killing an animal is yeah. very low. Right. But it's a I think it, I heard a statistic one time. I heard a statistic one time you have a 5% chance every time you go to the stand. You have 5% chance of killing an animal. I believe that. I, I could see that. And you know, I mean, it just depends on how well you've set yourself up for that day. Like, I mean, I could wake up in the morning and be at 5% if yeah. I was going to go that out there. You but kill a, that, means, that means you successfully kill something once every 20 times you sit. Yeah, and let's think about it there. You know, like, if you were to hunt a full season every weekend for a whole season, how many deer are you going to pull? Mm-hmm. If you shoot two deer, exactly. if you shoot two deer in a, in a season, you had a good season. Right. Every t- Any time. I've only, I've only shot two deer in one season once. And I've shot, and since we started Blue Cord back up, I've shot a deer every single year yeah. since 2018. So. Well, that's why I'm so excited even before about that. this year, Steve. That's why I'm so so excited about this upcoming deer season is because since we've started in 2018, I've had to strategically hunt. So that being said, what I mean by that is I've either had to, you know, take time off of like a lengthy time off of work to go out of town to hunt, or I could only hunt on a Saturday or, you know, all day Saturday, the morning hunt Sunday, and then drive back to work on Sunday, you know, on Sunday evening. Now, I have the opportunity now this year since I'm home to hunt every single day. So, I'm very eager. I'm very excited and I'm going to have I'm going to be up to my fucking head in footage. So, it's going to be wild. I can't wait for you to get back. I'm going to need help deciphering this shit. You're probably I know Steph's going to have to learn to come up here, man, cuz <laughs> Well, until I'm, you get I'm that internet fixed out, I don't know. Well, I'm just looking at it from an editing standpoint. Like, well, you can come up here on a weekend, get all my footage, and haul ass back to Plant City and have everything. Pl- you know, as, as long as we get on a good cycle here, bud, we'd be all right. And hopefully, hopefully by rifle season, I have my Starlink. I've, I've I ordered Starlink. I've already paid for my deposit. Um, it's available in the area, and I've I know people in the area that's got it, and they say it's fucking crazy. So, once I get my Starlink internet, I'll be fucking ready to rock so hey shout out shout game. out elon musk you know what i mean yeah if, if that's it there's another thing my man nate needs elon musk in his in his starlink satellites orbiting the planet yeah. to get a little bit of internet well uh here to elon musk we thank you for getting nate zeller here back into the 21st century Real appreciative. Well, of it. when it does happen, when it does, it's happen. still not. He's right. my man is parked outside right now, of Hardy's right, right now. now. I want to thank the Cricket Mobile guy that's allowing Nate to borrow his phone <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. so he could talk to us. We need to, we need to tweet Elon see if we can get him on this podcast. Oh, hey, so I know right when you got on, I said you want to hear something funny, and um, before we went live, I said you want to hear a funny joke, and you're like, I love funny jokes, and I said actually, let me hold it. So you're you're parked at Hardy's in Old Town, Florida, for service right now. Um, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've read the menu nine times. Yeah. <laughs> I, my funny joke is I, they, they have like 30 Hardys where I'm at right now. They're all over the place. 
here. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Old Town Florida's only got one. <laughs> yeah, Old Town Florida's only got I'm one. Still... I'm sitting in a bucket of Hardee's right now. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this: Is their service good? Because I'm still staring at the same Wrangler that was throwing I got. <laughs> that poor bastard. He better be clocking in because if he ain't got his chicken tendies, there's gonna be a shootout. The bitches is working off one register. <laughs> They're still killing the chickens in the back. Hey, don't don't get the peach and cream cheese fucking pie. That thing sucks. <laughs> oh, dang, buddy. Well, uh, Jesus Christ. Before we get off of here, like I said, we uh, we're just wanting to talk about the carbon awards, and uh, I know we delved deep into the, some kingfishing and stuff, but that's I mean that's how we won the award. You know what I mean? To kind of get to. Um, a little video playback. Uh, it's a beautiful award too, man. I know. Yeah, the uh, we were talking about that the other day. Carbon does a hell of a job making these awards. Oh, it's They're an awesome. Legit. It's at my house. Is it at your house or is that mine? Uh, I wish it was at my house. Man. Oh, I have to get it up there, I guess. But the uh, it's a beautiful like marlin made of wood coming out of the water, and it's got a little placard on the bottom that says "Best Fishing Moment Blue Cord." Uh, it's one heck of a job, but. Uh, to be nominated by the company itself instead of self-nominating, like it, like I said, with the year previous, the two years previous, to be nominated w- strictly off of just how we are, and then they went on and found that video and made that the Jurassic Park grouper video uh, our nomination. It, it feels a lot better. Like you said, it's like being nominated for an Academy Award. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, I feel like Leo when he finally uh, was uh, took one home for Revenant. Yeah. Yeah, when you sent me that, man, it was, it was, well, actually, Johnny's the one that announced it. That's pretty sweet. And uh, when I talked to Autumn, which is, like, vice president of operations over there at Carbon, in April, just before the Spring King this year, um, I asked her, I said, how many, how many shows are on Carbon now? She said there's upwards to 280 shows. So out of 280 shows, let's break this down. 280 shows, um, however many videos they have, and ours got picked, just just got nominated at, for one of them is, is just an honor, you know what I mean? Like Yeah, no, it's super it cool. It shows you how, people, people don't realize it unless they're involved like heavily in this, or actually, you first of all, you have to care about it. If you don't care about it, then it is what it is. But if you care about Blue Cord and you're part of the family, this is truly a moment where regardless win lose or draw where you should still feel like we've accomplished something because we really truly have like 260 shows let's say one of them shows even if even if each show has one fishing video that's 260 episodes ours got drawn for best fishing episode or best fishing show so not only is an episode but as a show as a whole so if we win number one at a which i'm sure now it's probably over 300 so if we win, you know, top fishing show out of over 300 shows, man, that's an honor that that I'll take to the grave, man. It's, it's awesome. It shows you truly how far we've come. The best part about that, too, on the Carbon platform is, yeah, you do have that many shows, but Blue Cord's the only one doing what they're doing. The only one doing that Gulf of Mexico fishing, and that's what the people want. Clearly. I mean, if it's not a fluke if we win it two years in a row, period. No, no, I don't think it is. Back to back. Back to back, like I'm on the cover of Lethal Weapon. Like Jordan 96-97. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> they gave me that belt. Whoa. But uh, no, yeah, we got um, 
we got one more week left of the Carbon uh, Awards voting phase. So if if you're a fan of the show, I I ask you, you know, give me at least one vote. You know what I mean? One's better than none. And you go on there to Carbon TV on your phone or your desktop, and you'll see Carbon Awards on the, the left. Click it. The fir- we're the first category, best fishing. Uh, click Blue Court Outdoors. Scroll down on the bottom. Put your little email in and press send. You can vote once every 24 hours. It's time stamped. So if you vote at noon one day, you can't vote until noon the next. Um, if you got multiple email addresses, we'll take that too. Go ahead and vote a couple times while you're at it. And uh, on the August 29th, like I said, that's when they open up and or it closes, that is. And we'll find out the winner probably beginning of September. And I'll make sure to post a link. I'm going to try and post a link on this podcast here. Uh, if not, you can find it on our uh, social media page, on our Instagram or our Facebook. And uh, we've sent it out enough where you'll probably run into it anyways. But, you know, it's it's it would definitely help a lot. Like I said, uh, awards are really awesome. We've won awards in this category before. And to be nominated again shows we are doing something right. Uh, it's what keeps us going, realistically, and you know, spending the money. Fairly consistent. Fairly consistent, yeah. And, and spending the money and the time. To, to make this stuff, it, it, when it starts showing like that, when you're, you are being nominated on a, a, the largest outdoor streaming platform in the world, uh, it definitely uh, makes you feel good. But, uh, all right, Nate, you got anything you want to say before we get out of here? Yeah, I, I want to uh, make a promise to the, I want to make a promise to the viewers that uh, at the end of last year, you guys know the hard drive deal that we had the issue. I kind of got down in the dumps. I'm coming back stronger than ever. I'm going to have more footage this year than ever. We're going to have one hell of a fucking hunting season this year. I got spots. I got bucks. I got does. I got deer coming daylight. I got, I'm got. i traveling. I'm doing this, doing that. Uh, I, I promise I'll push out the best content I can, the most content I can. It's going to be the best hunting season Blue Court can, can give you. So y'all stay tuned. Please do because I promise you shit's going to fucking hit the fan. And when I say hit the fan, I mean shit's going to die. So I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident this year. I got the time to put into it. The, the time that the, the fair amount of time to put into it, the respectful, I, I guess I respect hunting and you got to respect the fact that it takes time. And, uh, I have that time this year. So, um, I just wanted to say that like, uh, Steve, I'm sorry for how, you know, I got there for a little while. Um, I know. You expect more on my end sometimes, but you see what I'm dealing with, and uh, we're gonna make it happen this year, bud. That's right, we Don't are. Worry about it. I'll make. I'm. A, I'm gonna make up for it, bud. We're gonna get. I'm gonna fill all my Florida tags this year. Yeah, so. I appreciate you for finally trying to pull your weight. <laughs> uh, Johnny, man, you got anything to say before we head out? I'm good, man. Just if you haven't checked out Blue Core and Carbon, check it out. Check out some of the fishing moments. Season three is uh, was a hell of a season, and. Uh, Look I out think, for Johnny Boy. He's a cute guy, man. Yeah, look out for me. I'm around. <laughs> He's but around. if you haven't seen it, go check out Season 3 of Blue Court Outdoors and watch some of that, and I'm, I can pretty much guarantee you're going to see a huge difference in the quality of fishing from uh, Blue Court than any of the other fishing shows on Carbon TV. So check them out. And that's just the sweetest. I truly enjoyed myself, fellas. It took a lot. I don't want to go home and blow my phone. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I think the Jeep Wrangler finally got his food. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> well, if that's the case, then we'll get out of here too. Uh, Nate, yeah, uh, my windows I'll, uh... are my windows are fogged up. <laughs> yeah, you ain't got no AC. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, all right, we're sweating out here too in the Middle East. Uh, but uh, again, thank you, Nate. Thanks, Johnny Boy, for being on today. Yep, and yep. Uh, this is Stephen Marshall with Outside Stuff. Don't forget to vote on CarbonTV.com. Vote for yours truly for best fishing, and I promise we'll stop talking about it. This is Stephen Marshall, Outside Stuff, presented by Blue Court Outdoors. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Talk to you next week. Peace out. Later.